This morning, we're just going to spend some time, I'm going to ask Aaron Wells, my good friend, some questions, something we're going to try to do a little bit more here at Antioch Church, just bring up some random person that we don't know very well, and um, ask him, some, him or her some questions, and uh, just see what's ticking, ticking um, in their head and what they've, been, uh, what they've been about. So, how you doing? Fantastic. It's How's your week? weird, How's your walking week? up on stage like this, you know? Why is that? I just feel like everyone's looking at me, which they are. I accept that. Do you want to, like, face the screen? I don't know. Maybe if I look this way... Okay. But then I see that. It's just distracting. Let's just face forward. Okay. That's Mike. You can just stare at Mike. If you, I know. He's just—he's a good guy. <laughs> Anyways. It's probably um, going to make Mike uncomfortable, though. Aaron and I go way back. Our friendship started back in 1995, the mm -hmm. Oregon State University. We were both uh, – here we go. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. Um, Aaron Bruce. and I were uh, playing football there, got recruited in the same class. And um, I don't know, what do you remember about Oregon State, 95, 96? Wow. Uh, I remember one that I didn't get a tattoo of 1995 on my left arm. Were you thinking about that? There was some, there was some talk between some of our class about okay. getting that oh, tattoo. Yeah, because we were supposed to be the, yeah, the team that the turned – the, the year that turned Oregon State football around. Exactly. And it wasn't us. No. Now, because that would be. It was not us. If I had a tattoo in 95 on my arm, it would be slightly embarrassing. That would be. Explaining that story all the time. So that was one. What about anything yeah, else? Sure. Anything <laughs> else? <laughs> uh, I remember that was the year that Brandon and I met. Um, we met playing ball, but I think where we really kind of developed our relationship was through our Bible study. Um, I lived in a different dorm than Brandon and five, six other guys. And the six of them started a Bible study, and because we, I knew Brandon and some of the guys in the team, we got together, and um, that was kind of like the beginning of our, or my, well, in part, my walk with the Lord was meeting with you, and I think it ended up being like 12 or 15 guys. We had like a large group of highly fun individuals. When you say large, you just mean like the number? Well, I don't know. Joe is large. We had some heavyweighters. We did have we some did. big, big men. Large. Yeah, so we started that Bible study. Um, Within about two months, it grew to about 300 college kids on the campus. Um, and what I remember about you is, I don't know if you still do this, but you would write personal verses on business cards or on cards and hand those out to the guys. I don't know if you knew I knew that about you, but I do, and I still remember that. What, what motivated you to give? I mean, these were guys who didn't know God on the football team, coming to the college Bible study. What motivated you to spend time writing verses on, I don't know, cards and giving those to guys. What was the motivation and what was the reaction? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring that story up. I can't remember doing that. But <laughs> just, I'm trying to just go with it, and I'm going, I honestly do not remember that. It's bad. Like I've been rough in the in, rough in Multiple and, times. And I do remember pool. Rob Ruff. Yeah, we yeah. had, so we had a large group of guys uh, that we would hang out with outside of, you know, our Bible study group, and they were all guys uh, who didn't know the Lord or did. And, um, I think after that freshman year, I just saw that there was a need on our team to, uh, or I guess there was in, in each of us, because what we did, I, I guess I can go back a little bit, we got time, that part of our Bible study, the starting of it was, the first time our rule was, you had to bring five people, if you didn't bring five people, you couldn't come. And real quick, this is before email, texting, this yeah. was just straight, well, I mean, look at this face, who wouldn't show up? Come on. My mom said I got dimples. It's like I won many over that way, man. Just smile and wave, right? Smile and wave. Um, anyways, come to Bible study. That's right. Come on, guys. This is fun. I just, just come. This is room, people. It's fun. Um, yeah, but that was our rule. So we had to have five people we would bring. And uh, 
So we had managed to do that. Twelve of us brought five people, and we had like 70. And our rule was like every week we had to bring five, but you couldn't show up. Uh, kind of legalistic, but it worked for us at the time. So, uh, But, you know, like I didn't invite a ton of guys in the team. They didn't want to come. And I really felt, I think, at the end of my freshman year, the beginning of my sophomore year, that, one, because of our Bible study, and two, because of a guy named Alex Kettles. He was uh, my mentor in college. And he had always challenged me, if you're going to be say you're a Christian, quote, unquote, there's a certain level of expectation that goes with that, right, like to meet needs. And if you see that stuff anywhere, then that's kind of our job as ambassadors, if you will, of Christ to do that. And I felt like uh, we had a huge team. I mean, there was like was 80 guys, 60, 60 to 80 guys. And of that team, maybe like 10 were guys that we would see on a regular basis at a Bible stay and the rest weren't. Um, and so I kind of felt like God had asked me to do something about that. So I started a Bible study on the team that we would just have. And the first Bible study I had, it was hilarious because I kept saying, I think I was talking about Noah, or, and I kept calling him Moses. And one of, like, the, like, most in, like, just smoking weed, hanging out with girls, doing everything you could think of a, quote, unquote, like the TV football player does, that was this guy. I know it's Breckerfield. Okay. He corrected so you me. you weren't the guy doing no, no. all that. Okay. I was like, no, let me, kind of Bible let, study let me go is that? back here for a second. Yeah, I was not that guy. I'm talking about, and it's the not The guys like, that were coming to the study. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, yeah. oh, I have a friend right. who, not, like, not yeah. that kind of story. Okay. Okay. Right. Not me. Okay. But this was the guy, his name was Anoki Breckerfield. He actually is a good, he's a friend of mine, but he corrected me. And he was like, hey, aren't you talking about Noah? And I'm like, oh, you're right. I thought that was like the end of my like, Bible study career. Yeah, the like guys. God's like, listen, <laughs> yeah, I'm done yeah. with you. You can't yeah. do it right. You don't yeah. belong here. Um, but God had mercy, and that continued to actually I graduated. So, Cool. I like that. I like your motivation in that. So um, we are still friends. Uh, yes. Maybe not after this, but at this point we are. I'm good, dude. Um, Carrie and I's third date was playing tennis with you and your My your, your wife now wife there. Emily. Um, and so we've uh, we've done life together for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I moved out to Bend nine years ago to plant a church, called you up and said, "Hey, crazy thing, Central Oregon, Bend. Let's 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 start a church there." And um, and you. You said, sure. Well, you guys prayed first, and then you, yeah, Emily said, okay, that's not, and then you guys made the decision. We did consult the Lord a little there was, bit. There I mean, was some more steps Generally speaking, that's a that. good move. So um, you, guys, you guys came up, and um, we started uh, what was then River Rock Fellowship, and then three years later merged that into Antioch, and that was the story on that. But um, we, our wives were having kids about the same time, and I remember um, you guys had a couple preemies. We did. We had two. Luke just talked about wrestling um, faith, wrestling in our faith. I remember us in our home group, you know, circling up late one night. It was Lillian who might not have made it through the night. We were praying. How did, how did that hit you? How does that hit you now when you look back on that season? Well, uh, the first, Hannah's my oldest. Um, she was born 29, 29 weeks. So she was 11 weeks early. She was 2 pounds, 11 ounces? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I was looking for yeah, the nod. Uh, so she was in the hospital for about two months and was in the hospital for about 19 days that time. And then we had Lillian. Lillian was 30 weeks early. She was 2 pounds, 13 ounces. She's not nodding yes. So 30 I think weeks I, early? 30 weeks old, sorry. 10 weeks early. Okay. 30 weeks early. She was 10 weeks, you know. She was like okay. a little tiny thing. <laughs> It's a miracle. Yeah, Jesus I mean, miracle. Rocking that little one was hard. It was more like one of these movements. Yeah. So, 
panda bear small yeah, or something. Yeah, I know. It was weird, dude. I actually, can, no, she wasn't that right. little. Sorry. She totally got off the track there, didn't I? Um, yes, she was born at 30 weeks. Um, she almost, uh, she wasn't making it at week one or day three or something like that. She was pretty sick. It's funny, though. Doctors, you know, they don't tell you, like, like, I'm a police officer. We'll get to that eventually. But, like, we tell people, like, look, this is just how it is. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about it. How can I help you? You know, but doctors don't do that. Doctors are like, hey, your baby's a little sick, so you might want to come talk, like, see your child. And I'm like, well, she was sick already. Like, is she more sick or less sick? I don't understand. You just keep telling me she's really sick. So if you hear those words, like, she's really sick, it may be cause for concern. It was for us because she was not doing well. They said that everything they had tried didn't work, and she was, like, done. Like, we're done. She's either going to live or die. It's kind of like your deal. Or God's deal. So um, with Hannah, I just felt like God had really told us that it would be fine. Um, so with Lily, uh, I was just kind of like, I really didn't know how bad it was till after the fact. So it probably didn't change my mind a whole lot. But I think, uh, one, already having a premature child is a totally different experience. You don't hold your baby for the first, first couple weeks. You don't, there's like none of the stuff you normally do with children you don't do. So we had already kind of been there. So having that happen a second time, I'm like, yeah, I know. There's like tubes and they got like the... IV in the head and all that kind of stuff. It's totally weird, dude. You haven't lived until you've seen your baby with an IV in her dome. Strange. But, um, it's a, you know, it was one of those deals where I just felt like at that particular moment, I'm like, you know what, God, this is, you, this is your child first. And I think Emily and I had always really believed that God would kind of go forth with his plan how he wanted to. And I didn't feel like God was telling me, hey, Aaron, you need to prepare for Lily passing on. She's going to come home early. I just felt like it was like, I got this. So, um, I, I mean, I, I suppose, you, I mean, it is stressful, but I just, it's hard to say, like, for us, it, that was our experience. Our childbearing experience wasn't, hey, nine months, we're getting ready to go, let's get the, you know, like the movies where you got your luggage packed and everyone's running around, like, that wasn't our experience. Our experience was like, okay, you've been in the hospital for four or five days, and, like, Emily's BP was, like, super high, and the doctors are like, okay, get out of the room, get changed, we're having this baby now. And they go in, they just, like, take the baby, and then the baby's gone. So for me, it's like, I guess for our pregnancy experience, it was always like an expectation that God had to be in it, and this was just how people had kids for us. And so for us, I think there was a lot of just, we didn't have any other choice. There was no like, hey, if medical science does its job, it was just like, okay, God, this is the way you want us to have kids, this is the way we're going to have kids. And we did. And so my daughters are fine now. They're 11 and almost 8, and they're fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So you're a police officer in Redmond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes or no? Have you kicked down a door and pepper sprayed a dog? Yes to the first half. No to the second. Like if it was an evil dog. You know, I have yet to run into the evil dog. Um, I have kicked down doors, which is extremely fun. I mean, on the scale of like Anybody things hears? you want to do in life, joking. if you can set that up, it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a sweet men's retreat. It, it, oh, man, it, Just come on out. We'll kick down doors and pepper spray each other yeah. in the face. Yeah. Pepper spray is not nice. I remember when that. you were going through the academy and you, you, you chose to get pepper sprayed? Well, taser. Taser, taser. taser. That's was right. Choice. Taser. Taser's Do not tell. so fun. Uh, five seconds of, it's like a, you get those muscle cramps, but it's like a full body muscle cramp. Yeah. For five seconds. Do you wet fun. yourself when that happens? No, okay. but I've heard people have done other things. Other things. 
Not uh, one, but maybe number two? Yes, okay. it's possible. It's possible. Okay. All right, so you're a police officer in Redmond. What's yes. it like to face people day in and day out on their worst day? Because most of the time, if you're a police officer, you roll up on the scene, somebody's not having a good day. They've either chose to not have a good day, or they're just, a situation's happened. Yeah, what, what's yeah. it like day in and day out to face people on their worst day? Well, you know, uh, no one likes the police, except the kids. So we always joke that we wish we were firemen, because they get to sit in barking loungers and eat and hang out, but we don't. Um, I think you just offended a couple of guys. I know, it's guys. okay. There's That's like right. a constant, oh, if you're a, a fireman, you okay. know how it is. Dude. Okay. You guys make fun of us, we make fun of you, it's totally good. Um, we're just, I can say that. Um, yeah, we do face people on their worst day most times. And uh, I think like, our biggest challenge is to remember that every person is a person, um, that we only deal with like 5% of the population. So our like scope of interaction is uh, the worst all the time. So I think the challenge is to remain impartial to that and to not look at all people as that 5% of the population that we deal with. Um, and also, it's the, the battle of being a Christian in that, right? Because we work with a bunch of guys who aren't. So how do we be a godly example, but yet work with these guys? Because we're, I mean, you're with these guys. 12, we work 12-hour shifts in Redmond. So we're with them more than we're with our family for most of the time. And, uh, I mean, we got to be able to get along. And a lot of them are good guys. You know, we just don't do the same stuff all the time. Anyways, but, so I think the challenge is twofold. One is to show Christ to your coworkers. And, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, people, everyone has a bad experience of that, right? Everyone's like, well, I don't want to be that guy that badgered so-and-so, or I don't want to be the pushy one. So um, just write them notes. Yeah, the write them notes and hand them to them, right? And then you uh, won't remember years later that you did that. If you type them out or if you cut out a magazine and paste it, they'll never know it was you anyways. Cops love that kind of stuff. That's right, dude. It's like a mystery then. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so I think, like, that's the challenge is how do you show Christ to your coworkers when you're still one of the guys? And as all cops know, I work with one guy, Ryan Frake over here. He's looking at me smiling because we're both laughing about this, is that our sense of humor is not healthy. <laughs> it's not. It is not. It's like I say that because we see a lot of bad stuff. And to see that, you got to be able to think of it as funny. as funny Because if it's not funny, then it's serious. And then, it, like, you have to deal with that. And so we don't want to deal with it. We want to be able to do our job because it's like one minute you're – Hey, my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, was quit, quit calling me. And the next minute, it's like, hey, we have a, a deceased body, and you got to go talk to someone's parents or something. And it's, it's not fun, right? So you got to, like, joke throughout the whole day. So we don't have a good sense of humor. So it's how do you maintain that sense of humor that's healthy but does not cross boundaries. So that's, like, a big challenge, I think, in police work in general. And then with the public, you know, we deal with these people who, you know, everyone has, think of that one person in your mind who's, like, the bad guy. Or the guy who's the jerk, or you don't like that person. That's the person that calls and is like, I hate you, you stupid fat cop, get out of here. You know how, you, you, I know my rights, you can't talk to me. And then tomorrow, they're like, hey, I need help, like right now. And you're like, help, huh? You didn't want help yesterday, did you? <laughs> yesterday, I was a jerk, now I'm your buddy. So I think uh, in the big picture of that, though, it's how do we remember that those are. Uh, those are the people we're called to serve as Christians, right? And how do we leave a positive impact with those people but still remain authoritative, right? Because there's only, in Redmond at a time, there's only four cops for 26,000 people. Wow. So we have to be like the boss all the time. And so how do you keep your, the respect level there so people don't overrun the police? Um, did you just say police? I did. It's more okay. fun to say it that way. 
Everyone should try that at least once. The police. Police is like whatever, but the police, that's like special. Right? I like, I like that. All right, so um, you serve at Antioch a lot. You are security, obviously. Are you on duty right now? I am. Okay. I'm watching everyone right now. That's you true. think I've just been smiling like and that. looking like they teach you in school and yeah. communications? No. Who's looking uncomfortable? That's right. That's right. Some of you don't understand. Anyways, yeah, right. you teach the, the children's ministry quite a bit. Yeah. I, I heard you were in a wig um, and oh, an apron yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I thought that picture might show up because well, it was scary. I don't think it did. Thank but, goodness. Um, so I was supposed to be Hannah, right? I, taught, I did the Bible story, and they gave me a purple wig, like a stringy, like plastic purple wig. We all have one. A yellow bandana and three babies. And I'm like, I don't think this makes me a woman, you know. I really don't think anything could make me a woman, but I think if you were going to try, that was not the way to do it. So I looked at the picture, and I was scary. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how kids were supposed to enjoy this when they're afraid. I'm already we, a scary-looking guy. We did guy. see a decrease in children's attendance yeah, the following surprised. Sunday. I'm not surprised because I scared my own self. I think there was a couple like, of the teachers who were like, you kind of look scary right now. I'm like, thanks. I'm going to go teach your kids. Mm. So, so what, what motivates you? Uh, you lead a home group. You disciple men. You're on security. Um, you teach the children. Um, what motivates you to, to serve so much at Antioch? Because uh, there's a need. I think that I learned a long time ago. I felt like it was pretty clear that we're all part of a church body. And it's not one of those deals where it's like I had a youth pastor one time talking to the kids. I was, I was working in youth ministry in California. And he was pointing at all the kids, and he's like, you guys always complain about the church. Like, everyone complains about the church, right? We're called, like, we have our own subculture in America. We're the American church. Like, it's a bad word. It's kind of scary to me sometimes. But, like, we have this whole deal, but we're all the church. Like, we make it up, and we say that we're talking about ourselves. Um, so I think that, like, when it comes to church, it's not just like I go and I enjoy myself, which I do. I love coming to church. I love the body. I love the fellowship. That's why I come. I know there's a lot of people who say, why should I go to church? I get the same thing with my buddies. I don't think that's true. I think that being in a group of believers, you're forced to come out of your shell, meet new people, right? Um, make people feel comfortable. Make people feel welcome. And I get to meet new guys all the time when I step out and do that. And then on the flip side of that, it's that I think that God calls us to serve, right, and to serve our body. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to do all these wonderful things at church. And, I mean, yeah, it's not great every Sunday, right? Like some Sundays I wake up and I'm like, I really don't want to get all hot and sweaty teaching kids today because it's hard. You know, you start talking to kids, they don't laugh all the time. Like, you guys are laughing now. It's great. It makes me feel comfortable. But when you tell a joke and kids are like, that was dumb, you're like, dang, dude, I'm losing this battle right now. I got to keep them engaged. And they're like, is this ever going to be over? And you got little Jimmy over here poking his buddy, hey, hey, hey. And you're like, this is not fun. This is not fun. This is not me having fun with you right now. So, um, but at the same time, like, it's so fun teaching kids, man. I love it. Like, when you really get them going, and they're having a great time, and you're having a great time with them, and you're teaching them the Bible, and you think you're having an impact, I mean, it doesn't get any better. Like, I actually look forward to story time. Like, I'm like, this is great, dude. Story time with these little kids. Bring on the wigs. I know. Bring on yeah. the wigs, dude. I'll wear babies. Bring it. You know? What? So. <laughs> Somebody please tweet that. That's right. I'll, I'll wear babies. I'll wear babies. What? Bring Hashtag, it. Hashtag, right? That's Hashtag. that little number sign yeah. thing. Last question. Um. So let's say you, uh, you had a Sunday morning, you had the mic in your hand, you're on stage, uh, and you were asked, what's, what's the word for Antioch right now? If you had a chance, a word or two, to just say, encourage the church, encourage Antioch, urge the church, um, what would it be? Well, I try to be short-winded, 
which never works. I'm going to be quick. I just wasted time there. So my work. You're warming I, up. I'm warming I can tell up. You're I'm letting the brain. You got to kind of start. You didn't know any that, of these right? questions before we got up here. You're doing great, by the you're way. You're surprised, aren't you? Everyone's like, he didn't prepare for that. I literally yeah. wrote these questions down when I was sitting next to my wife during Luke's message. I don't even know what Luke said. That's how we work, though. Um, I think it would be a couple of things. One that what God's really been working in me is that uh, I think to I got to this. Yeah, I'm 35 now. Got a bunch of gray hair, and I feel like I'm at this. I got three children. I'm married, I work, I work long hours, um, and it's easy to kind of slip into that stage of life, and I think a buddy of mine um, kind of said this, we were at dinner one time at home group, and he's like, hey, you know, we get in this middle age like, Christianity life, where it's like, I go to church, I do my service, I hang out with my kids, and you're kind of done, right? And I just feel like life with God should be an experiential thing, where we do that all the time, and we don't get into these stages where it's like, I'm good, right? Like, I'm doing all my little things, I got my little groups, we're you know, Instagram and our wonderful evenings together, and life is fantastic. Um, but never really looking for that challenge. You know, whether that be like financially, maybe I need to, you know, stop. What it, like maybe I need to not buy that new car, and maybe I need to do this instead. Maybe I need to go here. Or whether that be, maybe I do need to get into a home group, you know, and I'm not pitching home groups necessarily. Mine is fantastic. It is. It is. It's full. Nobody can join. Well, it's not. No, hey, we don't really have a limit. Because, anyways, if you want to join, come talk to me. I'm the boss. I think I might be able to fit you in. But you got to check with Emily first. True that. Okay. She's the boss. Um, she is. So, but I think I would, you know, those things in life that we're always, like, waiting, like, oh, I'm not going to do that now. I'll do that later. Uh, I think I would say you should take experience or take advantage of that. Don't just come to church to be like the potato. Because there's so much more. Like, I love church. And I leave church all the time thinking how wonderful it was. And not always because the message was great, even though, or worship, which is always what we critique when we go to churches, right? Like, I went to church, and was the worship good? Was the worship good? No, it wasn't okay. I'm not going to go there anymore. Um, but I don't know if we ever go to churches and critique people. Like, do we critique our community and say, man, I went there, and there was like seven people who wanted to talk to me. That never happens. Um, and I don't think that's because necessarily, I mean, I think we do a lot here at Antioch to, to make that happen. Like, Brandon runs that for the most part, and... I'm going to give Brandon, like, onstage kudos and say he does a fantastic job and works extremely hard to try and get everyone here out of their seat and interacting so you don't feel alone. And, like, for me, I was never that guy who needed that. I was always like, who cares? I'll figure it out. Yeah, you had dimples. Yeah, I got dimples. I smile a lot. And I don't mind making fun of myself, so it's totally okay. Um, but there's lots of people who aren't, like, that real comfortable, I'm going to come out of my shell type. And I just feel like you're in a unique place. I've been to a lot of churches and not... And every, every church has different strengths. And our strength, I think, has always been, for me, on um, the community. The people here are fantastic. And if you're that person who just kind of is like, oh, I'm not going to branch out. You know, I'm not going to check out the men's. I had Super Tuesday this last week. Amazing. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I look forward to that more, I think, almost than anything else we do. And what's crazy is, is I never see people I know there. Like, all the guys in my home group are like, oh, well, you should have texted me. You should have emailed me. I totally forgot. And, like, I'm, I'm, come on, guys, this is the thing. And I, I go and I meet new men and great guys. And I met a guy who was here, like, three weeks, and he's already coming. And I have guys, like, who have gone here six years and don't come. But, so there's all kinds of opportunity for you to get involved. And not just to get involved, but to, like, be part of God's community. So I would say if I had a very short amount of time and I wasn't going to go over my time like I just have, that's what I would say. Aaron Wells, everybody, thank you.